welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Oh man, good day. It's a good day. Well, again, welcome. My name is Micah, and uh, I have the distinct honor and privilege to pastor here at Awaken. If you are new, families who are here supporting uh, dedications, so glad that you're with us. Uh, I want to just begin this morning by uh, acknowledging the fact that this has been a very interesting week. Uh, I think that our kids and our grandkids are going to be asking us about this week in years to come. And a couple of things that I think are important for me to begin with before we jump in to what we're going to study and look at today. Uh, I think first and foremost, I want to say as your pastor, uh, I have made a conscious decision to not really engage uh, on social media as it relates to politics and uh, the election that happened. And so if you were wondering, like, where is, where's Micah on this one? Uh, nothing was said, and there was sort of radio silence. Uh, that was very intentional, and uh, that's a choice that I've made, um, personal conviction that I have. Uh, I'd be glad to share more about that. There's lots of different reasons. Uh, I find that most of the time, I'd, most of the time that I spend when I have engaged is sort of undoing or trying to make, uh, help people understand what I actually meant by saying something that I said. And uh, so it's a stewardship of time issue for me um, in some ways. And I just think that um, having actual conversations with actual people um, is probably the best use of my time. And so I'm your pastor and um, you are my people and I love you and So with real words and a real face and a real heart uh, and a real person in front of you, a couple of things that I want to say. First and foremost, um, some of you voted for Mr. Trump and some of you voted for Mr. Miss Clinton and some of you voted for others. Um, That's good. We celebrate that. That serves to confirm the fact that we live in a democracy and that you can vote your conscience. And that's a unique experience for many people in the world. And so we celebrate that. That's actually a really good thing, that you can vote your conscience without fear of persecution. Um, With that, I want to invite you to assume the best of someone who voted differently than you. I think sometimes we we think that, um, maybe unintentionally, but the other, whoever they are, is a monolithic group that all think the same thing and voted for whoever they voted for for the same reasons. And of course, we wouldn't say that out loud, but sometimes when we enter a conversation or we talk about it, that's an assumption that's made. And I just want to encourage you to assume the best, not the worst, about somebody who voted differently than you did. Uh, And to seek to understand through conversation and through actual words and challenge of thought and discourse and dialogue to seek to understand somebody else's position. Um, I want to encourage you not to assume what you don't know about somebody and not to pass judgment. Uh, I think we've talked about that a lot at Awaken. To reserve that and to not exercise that desire that we have to pass judgment on somebody else when they disagree with us. Um, And I would also just say not to assume that everybody in this church votes the same. Of course, we know that that's not true. But I think sometimes when you're in a conversation and that happens where an assumption is made and you're not a part of that assumption, it can feel really isolating. And um, 
we talk about it all the time that we want to be in a church where we can disagree on things that really matter and we can have conversation with one another. And so to assume that everybody here thinks the same thing about something, I think if you're not a part of that assumption or whatever that might be, that can feel really isolating like you don't belong, and you do. Um, so I want to just encourage us to move maybe towards one another in that spirit. Uh, I would also say that your job as the people of God was, is the same today as it was before the election. That the call of the church and the, and the invitation that God has given for us as the people of God in the world is the same today as it was before Tuesday. It doesn't change at all. Regardless of who's in the White House, regardless of who you voted for. One of my friends said this this week. He said, the f- to the fear that diminishes the humanity of others, the work of love shall be our protest. As the people of God, the work of love shall be our protest. The Democratic Party is not the answer. The Republican Party is not the answer. In fact, any political ideologies that we might come up with are not the answers. Amen? And so when any of those political ideologies surface and diminish the humanity of others, regardless of what they are, we as the people of God protest with love. The work of love is our protest. Friends, we are strangers and aliens as the people of God. We are citizens and participants in a different kind of humanity, in a different kingdom. This is what Paul says to the churches that he writes in the New Testament, who are living under the empire of Rome, in the shadow of the empire of Rome. He says, you're strangers and aliens. You live in a different, you, you, you bow a knee to a different kingdom. Your allegiance is not to a flag, but to a kingdom named, under the name of Jesus. And so for you as the people of God, I would exhort you and challenge you all the more today, regardless of who you voted for, to stand with the oppressed and the marginalized, to be a voice for those whose voices are quieted and squelched, to bless and defend the alien, the orphan, the widow, and the vulnerable, because that's the mandate. That's the invitation of the people of God prior to Tuesday and post-Tuesday. That doesn't change. So whatever that looks like for you, as a follower of Jesus, this is the call. That doesn't change today or tomorrow. And then lastly, I would just say this. This is not the end. Whether you're excited or you're depressed, The kingdom that we have been called to is a kingdom of resurrection and renewal. And so whatever division might exist among us, whatever division might exist on our streets and in our neighborhoods, whatever hatred we might see displayed in the name of anyone, it doesn't have the last word. It is not the end of the story. The end of the story in the gospel is the end of resurrection and renewal. So don't be discouraged. Don't lose heart. Don't lose hope. Don't continue living in the way that you're living, compelled by the love of Christ that you're compelled by. Don't stop doing that. We need it all the more. Don't be discouraged. This is not the end. Resurrection wins in the end. That's the story of the gospel. That's all I have to say about politics today. All right? Okay. I was thinking about uh, this morning when I was practicing... I, you guys don't talk back to me a lot, and I'm, I feel like I'm talking back more. Like, so I'm just going to start talking back to myself. When I say something I really agree with, you might hear me say, Amen, Micah. And if you'd like to join me, you're, you're welcome to do so, but I'm going to do it because I like doing it, okay? 
So uh, we began a series last week called Emanate, and um, this is a three-part series. Uh, very excited about it. The word emanate uh, means this, to flow out, issue, or proceed as from a source or origin, to come forth or originate. We talked about how the scriptures, the story of God in the scriptures, is a story of God's action. It's a story of God's action that emanates out. God's involvement in creation out of love and commitment to creation. And we talked about how we see that the emanations of God, the actions of God that emanate out into the world are always empowered by the Spirit, sent out into the world, and expanding and growing. That this is just the nature of God's movement in the world. So this is a series about the future of Awaken, and ultimately what we believe God's inviting us to and and, and inviting us to step into. It's a series that makes some bold statements about um, the past six and a half years have been amazing, and God has done amazing things here, but we're not done dreaming. I'm not done dreaming. Uh, I think, like, what if there's more? What if this vision is too small? What if God is, in, in the book of Acts, we find that the Spirit of God is often just a couple of steps out in front of the church, and the church is kind of lagging behind trying to catch up. And so this is a series saying, like, if God's moving, we want to be moving with it. This is uh, inspired by this little prayer in the book of Habakkuk, which says this, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. So here's how I want to start today. I want to lead us in just a moment to uh, just a brief moment of silence where we remember what God has done. If you've been a part of this community for a while or for a short time, Uh, where we, in our own hearts, thank God for bringing us into this community for this season. And then I'm going to invite you to stand and pray this prayer that Habakkuk prayed with me, and then we'll read the text for this morning. So if you would, just for a moment, quiet your hearts, and in a moment of silence, thank God for however you got here, that God might be leading you and inviting you, maybe to awaken. if you would, as a congregation, would you stand and pray this prayer with me from Habakkuk chapter 3. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known. This is from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, where Paul says this. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. They exceeded our expectations, and they gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. God, as we gather this morning in your name, as your church, I pray that there would be a sense of hope and love, uh, of justice, of mercy that emanates from this community gathered here in this place. As we think about what it means to be your church and what it means to be your people in the world, Holy Spirit, lead us, guide us, give us an imagination for things that maybe we've never even thought of, that you would be inviting us and leading us to step into, I pray. In the strong name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. So emanate. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, one of my favorite parts of Paul's letters to the churches that he writes to. 
for a couple of different reasons. Um, I want to try to uh, pull out a few things from this little section that we read uh, that has to do with this series and what it means for us to be, as the people of God, an emanation of action, of God's action in the world. So a little bit of background about 2 Corinthians, and then we'll pull a few threads and Paul planted probably 15, maybe upwards of 20 churches in the New Testament that are talked about. Paul's an apostle, and he goes around to these places in Asia Minor, and he starts these new little communities. Uh, the Church of Macedonia is one of them. The Church of Corinth is another, Ephesus, Galatia. Uh, we get letters to many of them in the New Testament. And apparently, this group in Macedonia was impoverished uh, and, and didn't have a lot of resource. Contrasting uh, that with the group of people in the, in the city of Corinth, very affluent, uh, very opportunistic city with lots of economic opportunity, Corinth was flourishing. And there was an offering that was going back to Jerusalem, where this whole thing begins, right, by the church. And so Paul is saying to his churches that he's planted, hey, in good faith, would you give to this thing, this offering, this gift that we're sending back to the church in Jerusalem... The, the, essentially the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem, as the Gentile Christians in the outer banks, would you send a gift back to them in good faith? And so the Macedonians are saying, essentially, Paul, don't leave us out of this. Don't forget about us. We actually want to be in on this. So that's the context. The question I want to ask this morning is what drives them to do so? What drives them to get involved in this? And what might we learn about what's required of us as the church, as an emanation of action in the world? So first I would say this. Emanation will require sacrifice. For us to be the church, to be the people God's called us to be in the world, it's going to require you and me and us collectively to sacrifice. Now, it's fascinating. Why, we, why, why would any of us be surprised by this? If we follow this person named Jesus, whose life was a march towards suffering and sacrifice, then why would it be any different for you and I who follow this Jesus? If we're going to be this, if we're going to live into if we want to be this ripple effect of God's action in the world, it's going to cost us. For the Macedonians, it required incredible sacrifice for them to be a part of this ripple of the gospel that Paul talks about. I love it. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and extreme poverty wells up in generosity. Where does that come from? doesn't make any sense. Friends, many of you who call this place home, have sacrificed for us to be here. Many of you have given of your finances and of your time and your energy to start this church and now to sustain it. Many of you gave over and above, over $60,000, to move from a comedy club in Lilydale, praise the Lord, to this place here in St. Paul. Many of you gave over and above, sacrificially, to make that happen. Many of you have given your time to teach our children, to hold our babies, to serve communion, to set up and to tear down, to put those little cards in the pews faithfully every week, to rake leaves, to volunteer at schools. Many of you have given and donated tangible things in the name of Jesus at schools and around our neighborhood, food and clothing and couches and meals. A class of eighth graders has tap shoes because of you. People at Thanksgiving got turkeys because of you. People uh, during uh, food shelves got fresh produce because of you. There are women who are being set free from sex trafficking in, uh, in other parts of the world because of you. Churches are being planted in Tokyo and St. Paul because of you. Men and women are being, with evil in their hearts, are being prosecuted for the evil they've done because of you and your work and your effort and your sacrifice. 
So in part, I want to say thank you. Well done, church. Keep it up as your pastor. I'm so encouraged and I'm so proud of you. It's an honor for me to stand here week after week and to lead and to preach and to teach and to say, these are my people. So I want to say, well done. And I want to remind us to never forget, as we think about what it means to be the people of God, to be an emanation of God's action in the world, it's going to cost us. It may cost you time. It may cost you resource. It may cost you energy. And where we're headed is, will require no less sacrifice than where we've been. So, if you're not engaged here at Awakening, you call this place home. If you're not engaged with your time and your money and your, your resources and your passions, then get in on this gift of the gospel that's being given away in the name of Jesus. Get in on it. The Macedonians were like, don't forget us, Paul. You probably think that we would never give to this, like a, a gift of money going back to Jerusalem. Certainly the poor folks are not going to get in on that. And they're like, you have no idea what we have in store. Let us get in on that. So if that's you and you're sitting here this morning and you have not engaged in that way, I would say in order for us to live into who God's called us to be, this is going to be part of it. There's going to be skin in the game, yours and mine. Secondly, I would say, emanation will require participation. I love what I get to do. I, 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 I love teaching. So, and yet, there's something about what's ha what happens when you all sit here and someone else stands here that engenders something that's actually contrary to the very essence and nature of the church and what it means to be God's people. Now, at the end of an election season, there's lots to celebrate. There's lots to be thankful for in our country, that we can be here in worship without fear of persecution. That's a gift. That's not, that's not normal for everyone in the world. There's lots of things that I want to say, that I want to note and say that I'm grateful for. But one of the opiates that numbs our senses and dulls our wits is consumerism. Consumerism is simply the promotion of the consumer's interest at nearly any cost. Uh, it's the idea that an increasing consumption of goods is economically desirable. You're going to get this message in the next couple of weeks, implicitly and explicitly, that your job as the American people is to buy stuff. So stocks go up, and return on investment goes up, and people are happy, and the economy grows. That's going to be the message that's sent to you all. That's your job. When we believe the underlying assumptions of our economy and culture and consumerism... Here's how it translates to churches, often. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Because this is normal. No one challenges this. We often abdicate the responsibility of evangelism by sending money to send people to other parts of the world to tell the gospel. Consumerism drives that assumption. That my part in mission and evangelism is to write a check. And while that's important, and that's a part of it, that's not your responsibility as people of God. It's more than that. We feel sometimes entitled to certain goods and services, whether they are religious or commercial, when we believe the underlying assumptions of consumerism. We receive and consume the benefits of community and worship and never participate. So friends, my challenge to you this morning, I said it last week and I'll say it again this week, to participate in the emanation of God's action called the church, it will require us to move from being only a participant 
to someone that gives and receives. Someone that not only receives from the table that is set, but at some point makes the transition to participates in setting the table. Right? So, some of you have come here and you need a season of rest. We celebrate that? Yes. Spiritual life is breathing in and breathing out. It's receiving and giving. And why would it be any different? Why would we assume it's any different? This is the life of Jesus, right? Poured out so that others can bl are blessed. Others receive. So to be a part of this thing called the church, it's going to require both receiving from one another in community and giving, participating. So I would just invite you this morning to consider this question. How are you participating in the good news movement with your life? Whether you come here or you, you're, gonna, you're, you're visiting and you're going to go back somewhere else, to consider that question today. Are you in the game? Are you participating? Are you receiving and giving? And many of you are. Many of you are. Did you know that there's a life group in our church that together said, you know what? Uh, there are families, immigrant families and refugees who come here and they have to go to these courthouses and most of the time they have children and their kids sit at a courthouse. Could you imagine anything more boring than that, right? And there's nothing for them to do and yet they got to sit there for hours upon hours upon hours upon hours. And as a mother or a father, can you imagine trying to like corral, I was going to say harangue, corral your children to like behave in that kind of a setting and yet this is what they have to go through. So some life group says, you know what? Maybe, what if there's, there's actually people who do this, who are, who are helping aid and assist in this way? What if there was a playroom at the, at the courthouse? What if there was a place for the kids to go and to play and to hang out and to be together while their parents advocated on their behalf? So this life group said, let's get involved in that. And they funded and they helped make happen a playroom in a courthouse that immigrants and refugees come to, and that's what their kids get. Thanks to somebody, a group of people in this church. Hallelujah! So... It's happening. It's happening. Don't, don't hear doom and gloom. Don't hear that, right? I'm encouraged, but I want to say there's more. There's more. There's always more with God. There's always more. Lastly, I'll say this. Emanation will require vision. What do I mean by that? Nobody thought the Macedonians were going to participate. They're the poor church with no money. And if a, and a gift of money is going back to Jerusalem, certainly they're not going to participate. But these people had an imagination. They had a vision by, by which they were able to do, you know, move the shells around and take some funds that were otherwise allocated for something else because they wanted to be a part of what God was doing. They had a vision for it. Other people didn't. When I start talking about the emanation of God's action and the church, I think there's a general sense of agreement when I'm talking about us, Right? That this will require us to have a new vision and, and imagination for what God might be doing. But I would be willing to bet that some of you in this room have never considered you, yourself, and what you do daily as a part of this thing that's rippling out into the world. Uh, I, we do this thing called Artists in Residence. This is one of my favorite moments in the six and a half years of this church. Artists in Residence. So I'm talking with this woman. Her name is Claudette. Her last name happens to be Witham. She's my mom. She attends our church, which is wild. And my mom comes from a long line of women who, who make stuff, uh, who knit and who sew. And the things that uh, she has made are beautiful, and the things that my grandma made were beautiful. And so she stands in this long line of makers and creators, artisans. 
And I said, Mom, would you ever consider being the artist in residence at Awaken? And she's like, why would I ever do that? I'm not an artist. I was like, oh, Mom. What if what you make and the things, like that desire that wells up inside of you that comes out in the form of mittens that your grandkids wear and hats that they wear, what if that was a part of who God has made because God's a creator? What if that's actually in you because you are made in the image of God? And so this transition started happening where I watched my mom begin to have an imagination for herself and what she made. And then she stood, not on this stage, it was at the joke joint, but she stood there and she shared about how the colors that she sees when she goes up to the North Shore somehow make their way into the things that she makes. And she stood there as an artist and somebody who makes something and she, she, what was birthed in front of me was a new vision, an imagination for something that wasn't there before. Some of, you do some, some of you do things with your lives that you've never considered to be a part of this emanating ripple effect of God's goodness in the world. And I'm just here to remind you that there's a way by which, a posture by which you can participate in that thing where it, it becomes a part of the story of God's redemption and renewal in the world. But it might require vision. It might require a new imagination, a new way of seeing. And this is a thread that goes all through the scriptures. Can you see as God sees? I want to invite you this morning personally to think about whatever it is that you do as a mom or as a realtor or as a dentist or as a janitor or as a tax accountant or as a professor or as a father or as a landscaper or a lawyer, whatever it is that you do, there is a posture and a way by which you can work that out, your vocation, where it becomes a part of a bigger story, an emanating action of God in the world. Find me something more worthwhile to invest your life in than love and mercy and hope and forgiveness and justice. Come on, people. Amen, Brother Micah. <laughs> Here's how I want to close this morning. I want to offer an opportunity for you. We're going to have a time of silence. And I'm going to invite you to consider, maybe for the first time, what you do as a part of the story of God in the world. Our prayer team is going to be available, and they would love to like commission and consecrate you and your work. If you would, so, if you would be so courageous this morning to think about that. Our church is sending a group of people to the Dominican Republic in about seven weeks. Um, that's an emanation of this community. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to invite our DR team to come up. We're going to pray for them, bless them, send them out on our behalf. We'll have a time of silence and then a time of response with song. And at that time, you're, you're free to come up. Our prayer team will be right down here. And they just have a short blessing that they'd love to pray over you, to commission you and consecrate your work as a part of the emanation of God's action in the world. All right? So, DR team, if you guys want to make your way up to the front here, I think our good, our good man, Mr. Andy Lehner, who's our, the chairman of our elder team here, our pastoral advisory team, is going to pray for them and us. I'm actually going with this ragtag group of people. We're going to have some fun down there. So come on up, come on up. 
And if you would, maybe just as Andy prays a blessing over this team and consecrates us in this work, if you would, just extend a hand uh, in solidarity as a church. Um, Andy, would you pray for us? I will. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for um, all that you are and all that you're doing, uh, whether we see it or not. And I thank you for this group of women and men and for those um, with whom they'll be able to interact in a short amount of time in your name. And as we go and as we send this group, I pray for eyes to see and for ears to hear and for tender hearts. Again, for this group and for those that they'll be visiting. Uh, give us wisdom, give us grace. And most of all, I pray that you know, your will be carried out, that in spite of us and our imperfections, that we'll be able to be an extension of you in this place. So bless this team as they go, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Andy. Um, I want to invite us to a time of silence. So if you would, um, consider this question. What would it look like for my work to be a part of God's story in the world? God, as we take just a few moments and consider, maybe imagine differently the work that we do. Uh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and meet us, speak to us, invite us, challenge us to see ourselves and our, our stories as part of a bigger story. That you would invite us to take a step of faith towards saying, I do this with this posture, seeing it as a part of something bigger. So Holy Spirit, speak to us now. To the church of the resurrected Jesus, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Grace and peace, my friends. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Awaken Community. See you next time.